my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 318. Happy Wednesday. I'm recording this Wednesday. It's 3.20 p.m. right now, so you might not hear this till Thursday morning. In that case, happy Christmas Eve. Maybe it's Wednesday night. I'm on the West Coast. Someday I want to change that. I want to be somewhere else in a different part of the country that isn't, you know, like, so if I lived in Hawaii, for example, I'd be even later in the day. So basically every episode I put out at night would just come out on the East Coast in the morning. And then if I lived on the East Coast, at least it'd come out earlier in the day. The West Coast, you kind of don't have either benefit. It just kind of always comes out way too late and at an awkward time. And so I want to move out of the West Coast time zone. Love you guys. I appreciate you so much. I hope Christmas, this Christmas season is going well. And I know that um, I, I'm, I don't know about you guys. I don't like going out to see people. I don't like, like a lot, I, I have a lot of friends that are extroverts, right? And they're like, do you want to come to dinner or this or that? I'm like, no, I, I don't. I, I got three family get togethers for Christmas. And, uh, by the end of it, I'm going to be dead tired and exhausted and, uh, kind of capping off the, the Christmas season by going to my dad's house to watch, uh, the Wonder Woman movie, uh, Wonder Woman 84. It's on HBO max for free. If you don't know that, if you have HBO, uh, you get to watch the movie for free starting on Christmas Day. Go do that. It's awesome. Uh, that'll be restful. But I, I don't know. I'm an extreme introvert. I don't want to see people. They wear me out. They make me very tired. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. We'll talk about Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about Auburn hiring their new head coach. We'll talk about Dwayne Haskins, Josh Gordon, Josh Rosen, actually, too. Um and uh, tomorrow, I'm trying to do one every single, you know, so I was up for 28 hours in a row recording Monday's episode, then getting everything out. It was like, it was really long. It was like an hour and 39 minutes and had 15 topics. This is a, a much shorter episode. Uh, by doing shorter episodes that are like 45 minutes an hour, I can get, probably do one a day uh, here through the rest of the year. So we'll do one. I'm planning to do one tomorrow uh, with a kind of a preview of the weekend. We'll do one again on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I'll put out an episode and you'll be like, Wow, I want to hear about Sunday stuff. Well, Sunday stuff we'll be talking, we'll be talking about probably on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, hopefully both. We'll do sprinkle out throughout. I want to try to do one more frequently, shorter episodes, working on it, trying my best. I'm one person by myself. Uh, I want to jump in. Before we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, I want to talk about the Cardinals-Eagles game in general. I watched it. It was really fun. It was a game that kind of had everything. It had two quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. Uh, a lot of big plays. There was a great play. I mean, the Cardinals were on their own, what, 33-yard line? And they ran a fake punt. It was like third and long. It wasn't like a, from what I remember, it was not a short conversion. The punter caught the snap, threw a long, like a like a 15-yard pass for a first down. and went, oh, that's very rare and unique to run a fake punt throwing with your punter on your own 30-yard line. Hadn't seen that really ever in a long time, at least. Um, DeAndre Hopkins had some big plays, man. He had a catch in, in double coverage. I went, oh my, that's crazy. Another catch on the sideline. DeAndre Hopkins has got to be the best in the entire NFL at using his feet along the sideline. I've never, I just can't compare anyone to him with that specific thing. It, with his, his footwork on the sideline, getting his feet in bounds, DeAndre Hopkins has got to be the best. Uh, he had a couple broken tackles. He finished with nine catches for 167 yards and a touchdown. I got to also say, the Eagles-Cardinals game, one of the highlights was Aqib Tlaib broadcasting. He's a former corner in the NFL, an all-pro player. I love how Aqib Tlaib broadcasts. It's just fun. He talks in a very casual manner that is 
Man, it just feels like I'm talking ball with some of my friends back home. I it's just like it's so I guess back home as if I don't live at home. I live in my hometown, right? So I it's but it's like I'm I just haven't seen my friends in forever because of COVID. But it's like being hanging out with my friends, just talking, watching film, talking about the game. It's it's much more casual of a delivery. I think it's more natural. A lot of broadcasters are very very stuffy, and I feel like Akib Talib talks to me and the audience listening to a game as if he's talking to a friend. And I, I, I love that. And I, it's like Tony Romo, Joel Klatt, and now Akeem Talib is my, well, my third favorite broadcaster in all of football. He literally makes me want to turn up the volume and pay attention and listen. And I often watch football games on film without any volume, like the all 22 you know, copy zoomed out so you can see the whole field. I went out of my way to watch the TV copy to hear him talk and hear his analysis. It was fun. It was interesting. Uh, it just, he does a wonderful job. I really like Akeem Talib. Arizona won 33 to 26. And after the win, Arizona, the Cardinals are eight and six right now. If the playoffs started today, they would be the number seven seed in the NFC. They'd be in the playoffs, actually. Uh, they would play, what, the New Orleans Saints uh, in the wild card round. So I don't know. I, I, have, I have no hope that the Cardinals can make a run in the playoffs. But, I mean, they got some talent. They could, they could get, pull off an upset or two. Uh, they're not going to win a Super Bowl, but it'd be cool to see them make the playoffs. They got to do that first. And then it'd be really cool to watch the Arizona Cardinals get an upset, beat New Orleans. Like, I, I think New Orleans, they could do it. They got DeAndre Hopkins. They got some weapons on offense. Uh, Kyler versus Drew Brees would be really, really fun. Very, very interesting. I think Kyler's a more explosive quarterback than Drew Brees. So if we got to see Saints, Cardinals in the wild card round, I think it's possible that the Cardinals could upset New Orleans. And it'd be really, really fun either way. So that's what I'm hoping for. Not the upset. I'm, I'm hoping for a good game. Upset would be cool. I, I, I shamelessly love Kyler Murray, and I, I like seeing teams that weren't good become good. I root for the Browns. I root for the Cardinals. I like seeing. I, I root for the Panthers. I want to see the Panthers turn things around. So I like when an organization can go from bad to good, and it'd be cool to watch Arizona do something at the end of the year to kind of maybe kickstart them into next year for 2021. Okay, it's time to talk about it. It's time to... Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin with the Carson Wentz-Jalen Hurts quarterback situation. The Eagles have this quarterback, Carson Wentz, a guy who's been around for a while, who in 2017 was a a favorite to win the NFL MVP before he tore his ACL. Uh, Carson Wentz has had some really impressive moments in his career, but they have not been recent at all. Right, And the last... This year and even some of last year, Carson Wentz had a lot of problems. And a lot of this year has been especially very inaccurate. He's been making bad decisions, forcing throws, holding on to the ball too long. He doesn't trust his system. He doesn't trust anybody around him. And the Eagles drafted this young quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in the second round. He's a rookie. I believe he's like 22 years old. He's a kid. I mean, I say that lightly. He's not a kid. He's got the maturity of a 40-year-old. I mean, Jalen Hurts is... He's Russell Wilson. He's a great leader. He can move around. I really like Jalen Hurts. And the reality is when, forget finances for a second. We'll talk about the financial situation in a moment. From purely a football standpoint, Jalen Hurts has to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's the best quarterback they have. Uh, Against the Cardinals, he was beating man coverage, throwing the ball. That's actually another evolution from his days at Oklahoma. I thought he was very subpar at Alabama. At Oklahoma, he got even better, but I was still wondering, like, can he beat man coverage? Can he make throws in a tight windows when he needs to? And then on Sunday against Arizona, he did that as well. And I went, okay, like, Jalen Hurts gets better every time I watch him. For, for 
four years now, every time I watch Jalen Hurts, it's a better quarterback year in, year out, year to year. And, uh, I mean, man, he runs the ball. He runs around very well. He kind of runs like a running back, actually, when he wants to. They run some power runs with a quarterback where they run, get a lead blocker in front of Jalen Hurts. It's pretty cool. I mean, that having the ability to do that really helps you in the running game because you can actually use your – you don't need to – a lot of time in the running game, your quarterback is a kind of a liability and not helpful. To, like, you can have – you know, five offensive linemen and a running back, but you really only have six people in the running game. You got five people to block and a running back. Hopefully you can beat a linebacker one-on-one. When you have Jalen Hurts as part of the running game with the ability to run, he gives you an extra person in the numbers in the running game that really helps the Eagles. So uh, he can run, he can throw, he's making great decisions. He's a better decision maker than anybody gives him credit for. He's very mature. Uh, and, And also like, I've been saying this for a while, Jalen Hurts, brings the best out of his teammates in Philadelphia. And I guess, I mean, Philadelphia, Arizona, no matter where they play, the, the teammates on his team play better when he's playing. Greg Ward had a great game against Arizona. Great's a little bit of a stretch, but he had, a, what, two touchdowns, five catches, like, came out of nowhere. And I've been, or uh, what's the other guy? Alshon Jeffrey suddenly is making plays. Jalen Reger suddenly making plays. And guys on defense are making plays. Like, people all over the Eagles roster suddenly have hope, there's a spark, there's a glimmer, whatever you want to call it. And I, the way I attribute it is that, you know, people say, like, Jalen gave the Eagles a spark. What does that mean? Uh, Jalen Hurts has given the Eagles hope. They have hope for the first time in a long time. I don't, my sense is, after watching a lot of Jalen Hurts and a whole year and a half, uh, a whole year and whatever he played before of Carson Wentz, I don't think Carson Wentz is a very inspiring person to work with. Because we've seen... Carson got replaced by Nick Foles. They won a Super Bowl. Then it happened again. He got hurt. Nick Foles led them to the playoffs. Now we're seeing Jalen Hurts playing better with the Eagles, and the players on the Eagles are playing better with Jalen Hurts than they did with Carson Wentz. The guys are playing with hope. I mean, they they believe in Jalen Hurts a lot more than they did with Carson Wentz. Something about his energy, his leadership style, his communication style, something does not resonate with that locker room. It's, It's just true. And I mean, man, Jalen is the best quarterback in Philadelphia. I mean, that I, I think I just, in a long-form way to put it, I think I proved that just now. Uh, now, the problem is, I, I, I have tried to do the math every way I possibly can. I sat at my desk for three hours, like, kind of with writer's block, just sitting here, like, writing through, you know, word for word, every scenario that could possibly happen. Every team, every, there's not really a situation where you can get rid of Carson Wentz if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. I... Personally, if he gets moved, I would be shocked because I, he's, you're not going to cut him. If you cut Carson Wentz, you, lo- you gain nothing and you lose. I, I, it, it's a zero sum. It, nothing, it doesn't help you at all. You, you pay Carson a ton of money to not be on your team and then you miss out on a backup quarterback. It, it makes no sense to me there. You're not going to trade Carson Wentz because you still have to pay. Trade him or cut him. If you release him or you trade him, you still got to pay him. And so... There's no way around it. Carson's going to get paid a lot of money through next year. After the 2021 season, you can cut him uh, before March, and then you save a bunch of money. That You have an out after the 2021 season and the 2022 year uh, and the offseason. But before then, you're, I don't see how the Eagles get rid of Carson Wentz. I don't know who wants to trade for him. Why would you trade for an expensive quarterback who's been inaccurate and made bad decisions? I, I Can you... I don't think anybody can justify that, especially not in a year where there's kind of an unprecedented amount of quarterbacks available through free agency and trades 
and the draft. I mean, so there's so many good quarterbacks in the draft. If you if you can't find a way to get a quarterback in the first round, you're ridiculous because you got Kyle Trask, you got Troy Lance, you have probably Mac Jones, you got Zach Wilson, you got uh, tr- uh, Trevor Lawrence, you have Justin Fields. There's somebody else on, I can't remember right now. There's a bunch, there's a plethora of quarterbacks in the draft. Then Dak might be moved. Jimmy Garoppolo might be moved. Matthew Stafford might be moved. Uh, there, there's so many quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Newton's got to go somewhere. Um, unless he stays in New England, we'll find out. Uh, Gardner Minshew is on the table at some point. Like there's quarterback after quarterback after quarterback that gives you more value for cheaper than Carson Wentz. So uh, there's no way anybody would choose Carson Wentz as their first option. I, I, I don't buy it. It's not feasible to me. And then even if you want to trade away Carson Wentz, you have to convince somebody to want that contract. So you're probably going to have to include a draft pick, which means you're going to be trading away, what, a first-round pick, a second-round pick? Literally so another team will take the contract off your hands, and then even then you're still paying them some money. So it it doesn't—it's a terrible business proposition to get rid of Carson Wentz. It makes no sense, and I think they're stuck with him. Quite frankly, I think the Eagles are going to be stuck with Carson Wentz. Now, a report came out. Uh, Adam Schefter released it, saying that Carson Wentz was unhappy with the Eagles situation and that he would like to be moved uh, because he wants to be a starting quarterback. And I I thought that the media reaction to that was kind of ridiculous and overblown. People were saying, uh, basically, people told Carson to shut up. They're like, if you don't like it, you should have played better. And I, I understand where that emotion comes from. But also, do you not understand where the emotion comes from for Carson Wentz? When's the last time a quarterback got benched and was happy about it? When's the last time a quarterback got benched and was like, yeah, that's a great move? No, it, it doesn't happen. I've been benched before. It makes you angry because as a quarterback, you have to believe in yourself. It's the only way you can ever succeed is if you think you're it. <laughs> and of course, Carson Wentz is confident. And of course, Carson Wentz wants to be on the field. I'll be honest. If Carson Wentz said, I, I don't mind being a backup, I would be concerned. So it's a good thing Carson Wentz came out and said, yeah, I want to play. And I don't like being a backup. Like that's, as I knock my, my paper all over the place, we're acting like it's a bad thing. And it's stupid to me. It makes no sense. Of course, Carson Wentz wants to play and nobody's happy being a backup. I, I just think that anybody who's mad at Carson for saying that has either never played quarterback or doesn't understand how emotion works or I, it just is silly and weird. Like if anybody is going to trade for Carson Wentz, they would kind of hope he wants to play. They would kind of hope he doesn't like being a Packer. But I thought that thing coming out somehow got a negative reaction. Made no sense to me. But again, I, I do not think there is a quick fix to the Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts situation. And the reality is I think that Philadelphia is going to have to own the mistake and say, look, we made a mistake. We gave the guy too much money and uh, we got to gut it out. They got to wait a year. After the 2021 season, in the off season, in the year 2022, after the Super Bowl, then, and I mean the calendar year, so like March 2022, then you can cut Carson Wentz and move on with your life. Until then, it's going to be too expensive. It's not going to make any sense. And I think what you got to do really is sit down Carson Wentz and say, look, Carson, you're not going to play. And either you can have a good attitude or you can have a bad attitude. If you have a bad attitude, we're going to leak to everybody. You're a cancer. You're a problem. We don't like working with you. And then nobody's going to touch you after that. Or you can be here. 
You can work hard. You can keep your mouth shut. You can stay ready because guess what? Jalen Hurts runs the ball a lot. Maybe he gets hurt. Then you're the next man up. You got to be ready. We're paying you $34 million. Keep your mouth shut and stay ready. And I think that's what's got to happen. You got you to own it. Say, look, we, we, should, we overpaid you. I know that hurts for you to say, but you played like crap last year, but we can't get rid of you. So you're here. Have a good attitude or quit. I mean, like literally quit football because we're, we're not getting rid of you. We can't afford to do it. Or say, hey, Carson, if you want to renegotiate your contract so that maybe somebody else would want you, we can do that. But if you want the money, we can't get rid of you. And you better have a good attitude. Like, there has to be a conversation behind the scenes. And then I think, honestly, and this will never happen because GMs have egos and people are afraid to admit their faults and then when they're wrong. And But I'm, I'm crazy radical enough that if I was the person running the Eagles right now, Howie Roseman's a general manager, I'd come out and say, look, we overpaid the guy. <laughs> we screwed up. And, I mean, we're not, why lie about it, right? Because it, we, we did. I mean, we, we have a contract with Carson Wentz that is terrible. I would say it to his face. I would say it to you, the media. That's what I would do. If I was Howie Roseman, that's how I would address the situation. And I'd say, look, we can't get rid of him. Nobody wants him. And we're not going to cut him. Makes no sense. We pay a guy to not play for us. So we're going to keep him. And he'll be a backup. And he'll be ready in case he is, gets his name called. And that's all you can do. You, sometimes all you can do is make a plan and gut it out. But actually, when you make a plan, it does make things go by quick. It makes things feel like they're going by quicker because the end is in sight and you know what your next move is. I live in the Portland, Oregon area, uh, the metro area, kind of a suburb. I live in Vancouver, Washington. I hate where I live. If you ever go on the news and listen to anything about Portland, Oregon, <laughs> no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you don't want to be here. It's not a good, <laughs> everything's shut down. I can't even get a stupid haircut. It's a mess. But I have a plan for leaving. I'm going to go get an apartment in Utah. I'm going to get an apartment. Uh, it's actually cheaper there. And the internet's better, so it'll be better for YouTube. It's prettier. It's, I think, going to be a quieter life. And I want that. I've got a plan. Having the plan makes it feel better so I can wait till my lease is over and then leave. Having a plan for the future has made it easier to know that I'm stuck here. Having a plan for what to do next with Carson Wentz is going to make things easier to gut it out. Next year, if you're Philadelphia. And again, if they can convince somebody to take that contract and trade for him, oh, hallelujah. But even then, I think you still got to pay the guy. So it, it doesn't really pencil out in favor of the Eagles either way. A another lesson you really can and should learn from this is that, man, uh, be careful who you give a long-term commitment to. That's hiring a coach. That's giving a quarterback money. That's getting married, everything, right? Be smart. <laughs> Don't just invest a long-term commitment in somebody who is flaky or who has potential to fall apart or isn't whatever. I don't know, whatever, you know, warning sign there was about Carson Wentz. I, it makes me think about Dak Prescott, right? If you're not sure, don't give that quarterback a ton of money, right? If you're not sure, don't do it. And it's, it's just uh, Carson's a talented guy who's played badly. Now, one thing I want to say that is kind of, not kind of, it's completely ridiculous. People keep saying that the Eagles cannot afford to have a $34 million quarterback sit on the bench, right? You can't pay a guy that much money and then not make him your starting quarterback. Sure you can. Why can't you? Absolutely you can. 
What's the goal? Is the goal of Philadelphia to win games? I think the Eagles are trying to win games. Uh, I think that, man, it's possible Jalen Hurts has saved Doug Peterson's career as a coach in Philadelphia. They want to win. And you have to play the quarterback who gives you the best opportunity to win. Not only because you want to win games, also because if you don't, your locker room is going to revolt. People can smell nonsense from a mile away. And if you're practicing with a guy, you know what quarterback is better. Right? Like everybody knows. If the guy, the backup's making plays and the starting quarterback's playing like crap, everybody knows it. Everybody can see in practice that that backup guy looks really good. Why isn't anybody giving him a shot, right? You, you have to play the best quarterback, no matter who makes the most money. And also, a good coach doesn't care who makes the most money. You think Bill Belichick cares who makes the most money? The guy Bill Belichick plays on Sunday is the guy who's best at the job. Across the board, linebacker, corner, lineman, quarterback, everything. Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback for Philadelphia. He's got to play. And again, I asked the question, are you there to win games or are you there to play whoever's most expensive? You can't play Carson Wentz simply because he's expensive. You have to own the mistake, say, we're paying the guy too much money. He's the most expensive backup ever, but Jalen Hurts is our best quarterback. You have to own it. You're not in the business of playing the most expensive person. You're in the business of winning football games. Jalen Hurts makes it most likely the Eagles are going to win a game. And I, look, the Eagles have so many problems. They need help on the offensive line. They need, I'd love to see them get another weapon on offense. They need help on defense. They have problems everywhere. But Jalen Hurts is making it work. Running for his life, keeping plays alive, getting sacked too much, but... At least he can escape some of them. It's it's not pretty, but at least he gives them the best opportunity to win. Way better than Carson Wentz did. And the one thing is, at least Jalen is making good decisions where Carson Wentz simply did not. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't think Carson Wentz gets moved from Philadelphia. I think he's their guy. I think they're stuck with him. Uh, the money, like people are saying, trade him. Trade him where? You can't cut him. It Like... I, I think most people simply do not understand the financial ramifications of Carson Wentz's contract and what will happen if you cut him or what will happen if you trade him. You got to pay him either way. You might as well pay him to stay. It, it, at that point, it doesn't make any sense to get rid of the guy. And if you can trade him away and save like $7 million, that, then then go ahead, right? But I I don't know. I it, I, I've, I've, I sat down at my desk and penciled it out everywhere. And I'm like, I just, it doesn't make any sense to trade him. I... I Every which way, I don't know what team would want him, let alone, is it worth the money? There's no quick fix. The Eagles just have to own the mistake, gut it out. Jalen's your quarterback moving forward, and Carson is your backup, and he's the most expensive backup ever, and then after next year, you can cut the guy and move on with your life. All right, let's shift gears to Monday Night Football. Let me drink some water real quick first. It's a long opening segment. Hey, I stand by what I say. On Monday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-17. Boy, uh, really my question watching the— So I I watched the game after it happened, right? I I recorded it. I went back and watched it. And I knew what had happened before watching the game, but I just was like, how did this happen? How does an uh, 11-2 Pittsburgh Steelers team lose to a bad Bengals team? With a backup quarterback, by the way, Ryan Finley. Who, I thought Ryan Finley, to his credit— did exactly what you want a backup quarterback to do. He played well enough to win. 
and took care of the ball. And I was like, that's solid, right? But how do you lose to Ryan Finley and the Bengals if you're Pittsburgh? Here's how. And the the simple answer is three words. as four words. One, two, three, four. The Steelers were bad. The Steelers were bad. It's a four-letter answer. And uh, we'll talk about the offense first, man. Um, In the first half of this game, Pittsburgh had the ball eight times. They had five punts. Uh, They were technically all three and outs, but there were penalties, so there were plays that didn't count. Uh, They had eight drives. So eight, was it? Eight drives. Five of them were turnovers. Sorry, five of them were punts. Three of them were turnovers. They had two fumbles and an interception. All three turnovers that Phil, that Pittsburgh had led to a Cincinnati touchdown or field goal. It was 17 to nothing at halftime. This is the starting field position for the three scoring drives the Bengals had in the first half. They started on the 24-yard line going in. They started on the 38-yard line going in. And they started on the 26-yard line going in. It really helps when you start every drive basically or actually in field goal range, right? (laughs) It helps just a little bit, right? It makes it a lot easier on your backup quarterback. And and look, Ryan Finley had some good throws. He was very fine. And I want to say another nice thing about Cincinnati. They made some good plays on defense, man. Their secondary had some good pass breakups. I was really impressed. Uh, they They had a play down the left sideline. William something, I forget his last name, the third, knocked a ball away down the left side. I went, that's a great play. And, and so Cincinnati, uh, I'm interested in them. They, they really made some good plays on defense. They shut down the Steelers' running game in the first half. And uh, mostly, though, other than, you know, I, Cincinnati did well on defense. But Big Ben, the Steelers' quarterback, was uh, inaccurate. He was making bad decisions. He had a play where he threw it a Juju, Juju fumbled it. Uh, Chase Claypool is wide open over the middle. I'm like, why are you throwing to Juju for a no gain when Chase Claypool is wide open? I don't know. Big Ben was off. I don't know if he was on pain medication and wasn't like normal. Sorry, that's inflammatory. I shouldn't say that even jokingly. It's inflammatory, but he was off. I mean, I, I can't explain it. I can't tell you what happened. You would think if, if Big Ben was struggling, and he did struggle with accuracy, but you would think he would only struggle with accuracy because he's a guy who's been in the league forever. And a veteran quarterback, like your body falls apart, it's hard to throw. Fine. But a veteran quarterback doesn't just fall apart mentally and lose the ability to read a defense. And that's what happened to Big Ben on Monday. Also, I really got to believe that injuries are starting to catch up to Pittsburgh on defense. And that starting to catch up isn't the right way to put it. They are catching up to Pittsburgh on defense because the Bengals were up, look, 17-0 at halftime. A lot of that is because the Bengals got great field position. But then in the second half, uh, Cincinnati had a drive. They were up 17-10, to 10, and the Steelers really needed to stop, get their offense to back the ball. They're only down seven. And instead of stopping Cincinnati, the Bengals had a nine-play, 80-yard drive. Eight of their nine plays were running plays. So they just abused Pittsburgh up front. And the Bengals did that with a backup quarterback. I mean, they, <laughs> when Pittsburgh needed a stop, they couldn't get it. And I think people don't even understand how many injuries they have. Just look up their linebacker core from the beginning of the year. Uh, go to like uh, go to ESPN.com, look at their depth chart. <laughs> and go, oh, the starters are gone, like super gone. And they're on like their third string linebackers across the board. Guys that weren't even with them at the beginning of the year. Guys who played safety 
Marcus Allen played safety to start the year. And, and Marcus Allen's played admirably, right? I, I could never do anything like he's doing in the NFL. But that's not what you intended to start of the year. And I just feel bad, man. Like, we're learning really that the 11-0 run the Steelers went on had way more to do with their defense than I even realized. I, I thought that's weapons on offense. I like Chase Claypool. I like, you know, Deontay Johnson had a case of drops. He's been dropping a bunch of balls. But other than that, he's been... Somewhat of an emerging playmaker. Uh, James Washington can make plays. Juju is Juju. And, and Big Ben was playing well to start the year. But it really helped. They had a great defense. And they don't right now and haven't for the last, you know, they're on a three-game losing streak. And then in spite of their defense, right, in spite of everything that went on, the Steelers still had the ball in the fourth quarter, down seven points. They were down 24 to 17. Steelers had the ball first and 10. Down seven, two minutes and 17 seconds left. So they had a chance to tie the game with two minutes left. And they couldn't do it. The Steelers had four incomplete passes in a row. They had a turnover on downs. Bengals ball into the game. And uh, by the way, earlier in the game, the Bengals had stopped Pittsburgh on the goal line, made them, you know, forced them to kick a field goal instead. So... Again, man, the Steelers lost three games in a row. They couldn't move the ball against the Bengals' defense for large portions of that game. Their defense is injured and not playing very well. They're getting beat up up front, which is surprising given that that's the strength, in theory, of their team. And then again, I, I'm i not a big Ryan Finley guy, but he he's definitely did exactly what you want your backup quarterback to do. He played well. He was decent enough to win a game. And that's really all you can ask from a backup quarterback. And I, it was kind of a fun win for Cincinnati. I went, ah, it's kind of cool. Like, and I know there's some stat going around. People are saying, you know, it's the first time since 1973 that two teams that were this big of underdogs won a game, at, referring to the Jets and the Bengals and, you know, a bad team beating a good team, but happening twice in one week. And I mean, people make that stat and find that stat to impress you, but it, I don't know. I wasn't like, wow, I can't believe it. I was just, I mean, I, with the Jets, I was. With the Steelers, I just went like, man, three games in a row. This was a team that a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, this could be a Super Bowl team. And I've since shifted my focus. It's now going to be Kansas City. In my opinion, like, I don't know who beats Kansas City. I don't know how you could beat Kansas City. The Chiefs are incredible. But it ain't the Steelers, man. The Steelers are a shell of what they were to start the year. Injuries don't help. But I, I I can't explain Big Ben falling apart. Disappointing and sad. And that's, I, I don't have any more to say. That's my recap of the Steelers and why they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Auburn. Auburn football hired a new coach. And I don't know that it's a good idea. I don't know that it's, I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Dwayne Haskins, Josh Rosen, Josh Gordon. More stuff ahead. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. I just saw the news that Charlie Brewer, the Baylor quarterback, is transferring from Baylor to Utah. Very interesting news. Uh, Charlie Brewer started three years at Baylor. Actually, he runs the ball very well. I think he fits kind of perfectly into what Utah does on offense. So that'll be really fun and interesting. He would be the favorite to start, in my opinion, at Utah next year. And I think it'll be really, really fun, really, really interesting. 
I also got on Instagram during the break, I got a a promo from Booger McFarlane. And it just made me realize, man, if there's ever a documentary I could like wish into existence, I really want to see a documentary and <laughs> it'll never happen about like the do you guys remember when Booger McFarlane did Monday Night Football with Jason Witten and oh gosh, what's that other guy's name? Is he uh, not even memorable? Uh, he was kind of the best guy, Joe something. Anyway, Booger McFarlane was on this like weird cart thing where he was on a a cart being driven around, elevated up with a bunch of computer monitors around him. Like, I don't really understand the purpose of that. I don't know why they he's not really a sideline reporter, but he's not in the booth. And it's like they relegated him down to the sideline, not in the booth. It made very little sense to me. I've never it's never happened before. It's never happened since. I just I want a whole feature length Netflix series, like an eight-part series documenting why they thought that was a good idea, what producer had that idea, why, when, what, how it went down. I want Booger McFarlane's whole family sharing commentary about that moment. I think it'd be kind of the best documentary of all time. Like, I'm being inflammatory, obviously, but I I would pay a lot of money to try to understand why those decisions were made and then how Booger and company felt about being put in that position because like you're you're told you're gonna be on Monday Night Football you're like oh sweet and then they're like hey you're you're in this monstrosity of a cart on the sideline but you're not a sideline reporter we have those two and I'm like I don't know what I would do if I was Booker I feel so weird and it's just I don't know I'd love to have a feature length story talking about that and explaining what happened there I'm rambling about this now I'm I'm an idiot I just like I want to see that story told somehow Auburn hired a new head coach, uh, Brian Harson. Auburn football hired a new head coach, Brian Harson, And I got a couple thoughts. Number one, Brian Harson is a decent coach. He's a, he's a decent guy. Uh, he was at Boise State for seven years. He was 69 and 19. And so he's not a bum. Brian Harson won games. Uh, I mean, he's not a terrible coach, pretty clearly. And so I, I am willing to give him an opportunity to see how he does, right? I, I have an open mind, and I mean, everybody has to start somewhere. Who was Nick Saban before he won a national championship and did everything he did? Who was Dabo Sweeney before he was the head coach at Clemson, right? Like, everybody has to start somewhere, and we'll see how Brian Harson does at Auburn. I will say, though, he's not the big name that I'm pretty sure Auburn was expecting to get, Right? Everybody, I know Auburn fans, were probably hoping to get a guy like, I mean, the names on the table were like ridiculous. Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State's going to leave Oklahoma State where he's got a good job and is safe and is loved for Auburn. People were saying Mario Cristobal might go to Auburn. I, I was like, in what world are you living in? Where, you know, Mario Cristobal, who's won a back-to-back Pac-12 championships, who is getting paid very handsomely, who is comfortable, who's got a fan base that likes him. Why would he leave? <laughs> I, I don't understand. And so it didn't work out. I am not confident in Brian Harson. I don't think he's going to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. I don't think he's going to win an SEC title. Do you think he can do that? I, I don't think so. And Auburn just fired Gus Malzahn, who is not a person I will be in any hurry to defend. Right? Gus Malzahn is a very fine head coach, though. And I thought that I, he endeared me with the story. He's a former high school coach who really did very well and works his way up the ladder. And uh, in the buyout, Auburn is paying Gus Malzahn 
over $21 million to not coach, to not be their coach. They paid him to leave. Not a small amount of money. They paid him over $21 million to leave and not be their head coach. And he went 6-4 and four this year. Like, uh, Gus Malzahn was not awful this year. He was not great. Didn't win an SEC title. I, I understand the frustration. But well, he wasn't terrible. And I don't really understand. I mean, in six years at Auburn, here's what Gus Malzahn did. Gus Malzahn went 53-27. and 27. He went to six straight bowl games. Every single year Gus Malzahn was a head coach at Auburn, he went to a bowl game. He won an SEC title. He went to a national title game. He lost, but he got there. And I... I don't know that Brian Harson is the upgrade that everyone was sold they were going to get. I mean, people kept talking about how, you know, the, when the, uh, the athletic director for Auburn, the athletic director for Auburn, when he fired Gus Malzahn, said, we want someone who can take us to the next level as a program, who can consistently get us competing at the highest level. Maybe that's Brian Harson. Like, I, maybe. Um, but... This is a guy who didn't even win a... He didn't even win the Mountain West Conference this year. (laughs) He lost the conference to San Jose State. He couldn't win the Mountain West this year. He's supposed to go to Auburn and do better? That's a a bit of cherry-picking. I literally just thought of that. It's like cherry picking one thing for another. But it's just pointing out the absurdity of a guy who I don't know very much about. I'm sure most people that are fans of Auburn have not heard of Brian Harson. And I, I, it feels like Auburn is paying $21 million to Gus Malzahn so they can downgrade and get a different coach. Not really a better coach, a different coach who isn't as annoying because he hasn't been there for six years. So they're, they're not tired of his whatever qualities they're tired of with Gus Malzahn. Probably the fact he's really secretive and quiet and, you know, hard to work with. <laughs> but my point is Auburn has unrealistic expectations. It just feels like they got mad and they fired Gus Malzahn without a plan. They acted on emotion rather than acting with, you know, a well-thought-out plan. And the result of it was this guy, Brian Harson, who I, I feel bad for because I think if Brian Harson is given time, I mean, if they give him six years like they gave Gus Malzahn, time to get his own recruits and time to build a program and maybe if Alabama didn't exist, like, I mean, the, the, the football team, University of Alabama, because he got to play them every year then maybe Brian Harson would do very, very well. But I don't think he's going to get enough time. Unfortunately, he has to play Nick Saban's football team twice a year. Or sorry, once a year, at minimum. Once a year, I guess, every year. Because they don't play you know, the same here nor there. I'm, I'm literally talking. It's hard to talk. English is hard. Um, but I don't have confidence Brian Harson is the guy to take Auburn to the next level. I would love it. I, I have nothing against him. Interesting coach, coach of Boise State. I'm a West Coast guy. I like to see people succeed. And I hope that they're patient. I hope that they give them time to at least have a fighting chance to do well. But man, Gus Melzahn to Brian Harson feels like a step down. And I know they, they were hoping for a big name. Didn't get it. And, and maybe, I, maybe a couple years from now I look like an idiot. Maybe I am open to the possibility that Brian Harson is just a good guy who builds a good program and they're patient and maybe Auburn does it right. Maybe. I don't think hiring Hugh Freeze was the right move from Liberty. So maybe, maybe Brian Harson is a good, you know, maybe, 
but we'll see. I, I am not confident that Brian Harson is the right guy to what was the quote exactly? He, he said like to to make sure that Auburn is competing at the highest level year in and year out. Winning at that whatever he said, like he wanted them to get better. And I don't know that Brian Harson is a step in the direction of getting better for Auburn University. Um okay. I have to talk about this because I I watched the game and I had notes and then more news came to you know the light. And I, I'm like, man, I have to talk about this. I don't know that I'm going to make this a breakout. It feels mean-spirited, and I don't really like... I know I make negative topics where I say, like, I don't believe in this play or this or that. But I don't like doing that stuff. And so if I don't have to, I'm not going to. But for the sake of the full podcast, I, I'm going to talk about it because it's a relevant story. And it would feel disingenuous to ignore what happened. Plus, I again, I, I, I watched the game. It took me three and a half hours to watch the football game. I might as well... That's uh, probably two, two hours, maybe. I skip ahead through the commercials and I don't know, whatever, whatever amount of time it took. I, I don't remember. I know that I did the work to watch the game, so I should talk about it. Let me drink some water first and we'll get to it. I watched Dwayne Haskins play quarterback for Washington against Seattle on Sunday. And uh, he looked overwhelmed. He looked overwhelmed. He looked, you know, did not look prepared. He wasn't very accurate. He made bad decisions. He had two interceptions. Now, he threw the ball 55 times. I don't know why you have Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball 55 times. Uh, now, granted, a lot of the stuff, he, he literally threw, like, check down after check down after check down. Like, he was captain check down on Sunday. Uh, the couple times he did try to push the ball further downfield, uh, DJ Reed was right there. Like, he got picked off and was embarrassed, and I'm like, I don't know why. He was, like, multiple times throwing the ball into coverage, and I'm like, luckily, wasn't intercepted. Some of them weren't. You know, caught by the defense, and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? That's not open. Like, in what reality is that a good decision? I don't know what world Dwayne Haskins is living in. I don't know what decisions he's making. I don't understand it. And we did have, like, a 30-yard completion, his longest completion of the day, down the right sideline of Terry McLaurin. It's just a jump ball. I mean, you're literally saying, hey, go get the ball. And you throw the ball up, and you hope your guy wins. It's a 50-50 ball. And that catches all on McLaurin. That's not really a great, like, a jump ball does not impress me. A jump ball says you can throw the ball high and your receiver, it's not really like amazing. Like a back shoulder fade is way more precise, takes more accuracy and more timing. Throwing the ball high in the air, letting a guy go get it doesn't really blow me away. Um, And I just honestly, I have not seen any progress in multiple facets of the game from Dwayne Haskins, let alone here's the news that just broke about Dwayne Haskins. Apparently... Dwayne was fined $40,000 because uh, he was caught on social media in a picture at an event with strippers and he wasn't wearing a mask. So he got fined $40,000. He's now also no longer a captain of the Washington football team. So he went from starting quarterback to third string to now no longer a captain, publicly humiliated multiple times. He's, he's broke COVID protocol multiple times. He did it again here. So you, you broke COVID protocol like, it's a protocol breach. Not to mention there's strippers involved. Like, you're a quarterback. No strippers. I, I'm sorry. Like, you, you want to be the face of the franchise? Like, I, I, I am. I'm not going to say any more about it. I just, here's what I will say. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Like, you name it, right? I can't think of a highly successful quarterback, 
other than maybe Ben Roethlisberger 10 years ago, who gets caught in a story like this? I, what are you doing? It's, I think it was a night after a game, first of all. And you're on the football field looking not prepared. And then you go out. <laughs> Dude, I have a show. I try to do a show every single day. When I sit down to watch a TV show that's not football, I feel incredibly guilty because I have work to do. I have to prepare for my show. Imagine if you're playing your, a quarterback playing football against another team on Sunday. You got to watch film. You got to prepare. I get it if you're a quarterback and you're tired and you need a little bit of relaxation now because you're just brain dead or whatever, right? Fair enough. Don't go out hanging out with strippers. What are you doing? What are you doing? I have harder... I. I don't know, man. I. It's just a bad look. It's not smart. It's. He's playing badly. He's <laughs> out with strippers, and I. I just the decision making on and off the field. I don't understand. And really, my dad never texting about this. My dad was like, "Where's his dad?" My my dad said to me, "What is Dwayne Haskins' dad doing? Is his dad not involved?" Is his dad not around? Where is an authority figure that can help out Dwayne Haskins? I don't care if it's, I mean, Urban Meyer coached him in college. Urban Meyer should reach out to Dwayne Haskins and say, hey, kid, what's up? What are you doing? Like, you can't go out during COVID, and especially not, even if there wasn't COVID, when you're playing bad. He needs help. Somebody needs to give Dwayne Haskins guidance because this guy has shown so much immaturity over and 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 over again. And he's not that, like, out of, out of college, I you can go watch my film analysis of him. I had concerns literally of, about the way the ball literally came out of his hands. I went, like, I don't know that the ball comes out of his hand very well, and it's a weird spiral, and we're seeing it in the NFL. He's not very accurate, doesn't throw the ball that well. He's not, it's just, it's a mess. He's not mentally prepared. He's immature. He's making bad decisions. I, I, Dwayne needs help, and he doesn't need like coaching. He needs guidance from an actual adult who can help him get his act together and not embarrass himself every Sunday because it's bad. It's it's not good, and I it's uh, it's a shame to see it. Honestly, it's I'm talking way longer than I thought I would about this, but it. it I hate when people waste opportunities because Dwayne Haskins was drafted. I guess to a bad team, so fair enough. But he is a first-round pick who, man, has made a lot of money and has been given opportunities to start football games, and he hasn't taken advantage of it. And it just the question, man, is like, where's the maturity? It's just not there from Dwayne Haskins. And that's, you can say what you want about his talent, this or that. The problem with Dwayne Haskins is he's not been prepared almost every time he plays football in the NFL. And clearly... Uh, his habits in college must not have been that great because they definitely haven't translated to the NFL. He's, he's just not prepared. And it's unfortunate, and I, it's it's very, very disappointing. Week in and week out, uh, and it's not true. Whenever I hear news of Dwayne Haskins, or whenever, I, whenever I watch him play, it's just more discouraging. It's like, man, this is a guy who is blowing it big time, who not very many people get an opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Dwayne has gotten that opportunity a couple times and doesn't appear to be aware of the opportunity he's been given and the gravity of that moment. And 
there are guys out there who bust their butts to be prepared for that moment. Dwayne is not prepared. And he's not making good decisions on or off the field. And I, it just is, it's disappointing to see. Because I, I think, man, he's a guy who, I, I, maybe he'll sit by Alex Smith a little longer and get ready. But I've lost all hope and faith that Dwayne Haskins is ever going to succeed in the NFL. Because he can't even stay away from strip clubs. I think it was actually a birthday party, but you get my point. Like, the decision-making is not there, and he needs help and guidance from a real adult. Uh, the 49ers signed Josh Rosen off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. Here's why it happened. Jimmy Garoppolo's out for the year, their starting quarterback. The backup quarterback, Nick Mullins, is also out for the year. Might need Tommy, uh, Tommy John surgery. The third-string quarterback... TJ, uh, CJ Beathard, not TJ, CJ Beathard, uh, went to Iowa, got a huge arm, like really strong, throw the ball a million miles. Uh, CJ Beathard is now going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. He's played before. He's, he's like, he can run the offense at an okay level, but the 49ers needed a backup quarterback because what if CJ Beathard gets hurt? They, they're not going to put, you know, Kendrick Bourne or <laughs> Debo Samuel. I mean, I'd love, I, I would pay a lot of money to watch Debo Samuel play quarterback, but we're not going to see that. So, uh, the 49ers needed a backup quarterback. They needed somebody who could be immediately ready to play because the, co- the NFL has a, a really intense COVID protocol. If you're not involved in the NFL protocol, like you can't sign a free agent right now because they won't have the quarantine protocols in place. So they're not going to be ready to suit up when your next game comes around. And so they signed Josh Rosen. And it's kind of cool because uh, Josh is not going to play this year in a game. I would almost guarantee that. He's got two games left this year two weeks, but what it does is it gives, gives the 49ers an opportunity to bring Josh Rosen into their building and practice with him and work with him and talk to him and pick his brain and get to know the guy. And Josh is going to get an, an audition, really. And if they like him, they could keep him and see how things go. And we know he's talented, so I, I, I like the move. I, I don't have a lot to say other than I'm like, I'm excited. I mean, it. Josh Rosen had talent. And I think he's a bust, but I think whether he does well or not from this point, he's already a bust because he did not fulfill the, the, the duty he was drafted to be. He was drafted to be the Arizona Cardinals franchise quarterback. He wasn't there. He couldn't work in Miami. Uh, he got moved from Tampa Bay to now San Francisco. But there's talent there. And I'll tell you what, man. Kyle Shanahan is a quarterback whisperer. If anybody can pull good quarterback play out of Josh Rosen. It is Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers. And so it should be fun. I have my eyes and ears open for any kind of news we get. And I'll talk to some of the players and see how he's playing at practice. And probably won't tell you guys about it because I don't think it's a smart move to burn those contacts. But I'd be really fascinated to hear how he does in that building and what happens. And um, it'd be kind of cool, man. I, I, I would love to, I don't know. We'll see how, Dwayne, how Josh Rosen does, if anything of note comes to be from that that move. Now, to end this show, kind of a sad one, actually. Seattle Seahawks receiver Josh Gordon had a setback in recovery from substance abuse. And he was almost reinstated uh, back into the NFL. Uh, remember, the NFL suspended him for uh, substance abuse, basically, for you know, doing drugs. And apparently, Josh Gordon relapsed after the death of his brother last November. And if you know anything about me, uh, you know that I have a soft spot for people when they're 
siblings die. Uh, my brother died February 8th, 2016. Almost five years now. And so it hits home for me. I, when my brother died, I would do a lot of dumb, reckless stuff. I'm probably, I'll say it on my other show, Flawed Humans. I probably won't say it here because I don't, I, it's I try to be advertiser friendly here. I'm a little more careful with my words. I don't cuss and stuff. I do on my other show. I, I, I drop a lot of F-bombs on uh, Flawed Humans. It's kind of fun. I like being able to freely express how I really feel. Tell you, tell you how I really feel, right? Um, and so I, I was reckless. I, I have been in a dark place after my brother died. And so when I heard that Josh Gordon, you know, relapsed after his brother died, I, I totally understand. I, I, yeah, of course he did. I, 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 I've been there. I've had that moment. I've done dumb stuff. I'll put it that way. I've done some dumb things, and you can do whatever you want with that, uh, after my brother died. And, oh, man, I, I just feel for the guy. Uh, he's already got a substance abuse problem. You lose your sibling. It's a huge deal. And a lot of people have always chosen, people in the media, uh, and I'll, I'll sit, Stephen A. Smith, a lot of the time has chosen to make fun of Josh Gordon. Stay off the weed! Like, everyone's seen that clip. And weed! And it's, it's good theater, right? Uh, Stephen A. Smith, and I, I think... My guess is he probably isn't still making that joke because I think it's a little tone deaf at this point. Josh Gordon is not someone he made fun of. He's not a, he's just a sad story. Josh Gordon is a person with an addiction and an addiction problem. And I, every once in a while, uh, when I have a night off, I partake in some, uh, some little chews. You have a, like a, a fruit snack, we'll call it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it is a problem if you are told you can't do it, and if you do, you lose your job, and you still can't stay away from it. So that's that's Josh Gordon's substance abuse problem. He's, he can't stay away. He can't say no. But dunking on a guy after the death of his brother, after relapsing after the death of his brother. That feels wrong to me. And so I just, I want to be very clear. I, I think that Josh Gordon is a story I will more than likely never talk about again because it sounds like his football career is over. I only talk about athletes. I try to not talk about dark stories. Like when, like I'm not a person who can really give you a, a long topic about domestic violence. When that happens in the NFL, I go, I, I, I really can't add anything to this conversation. And there's other people that probably can speak to that. I'm not a domestic violence, um, you know, person, what do you call it? expert? But I am an expert at losing a brother. Uh, and I, <laughs> I've partaken in stuff. And I, I just, I just feel for Josh Gordon. He can't say no. He's got an addiction problem. And I, I don't think anybody should make fun of this guy. I think he needs help. And it's sad that this guy has so much talent that has never really been properly channeled into a good NFL career. Because it's it feels like such a wasted opportunity for a guy who could have made so much more money and done so much more on a football field. It makes me sad. And and grief is a huge deal. And grief will sneak up on you. There will be times where 
you know, so my brother died four years ago, and I always tell people, if you're struggling, go get help. Um, it's a huge deal. I Believe it or not, YouTube actually demonetizes me if I say how my brother died. Um, it's... Go look at my Instagram story. Go look at my Instagram. You'll see how it happened, and it's terrible. I just encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help. And don't be afraid to ask for help, and don't be afraid to grieve. And if you're having a hard time, it's been an awful year, man. It's been... I. In so many ways, even my dinky little show has had problems. Uh, and I, I talk about sports. I mean, there was literally a month and a half without sports. I mean, it was kind of difficult to make content or do anything. And I just encourage you, if you're having a hard time, go get help. Go talk to somebody. Uh, it's not easy. It's so difficult. It's, it's, it's so hard to go get help. And if you can, I, I, I really uh, I admire you. It took me – my brother died five years ago almost took me three and a half years to go get help, to get a counselor, to go talk to somebody. And I was poor, so I had to do it through my college, right? I, I waited until I could get it for free. I, I get the struggle of all of it. But if you can, go get help. It's a huge deal. And grief is a big deal. And if you're – Josh Gordon was a guy who was grieving and had a relapse with his drug addiction. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. And uh, I just – it's a sad story of a guy who was incredibly talented who – Pretty much wasted his career uh, with a lot of untapped potential because of a drug addiction. So, it's sad. Sorry to end the show that way. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. It's it's Wednesday, 4, 26 p.m. Pretty quick in and out, actually, for the show. Probably took what, I mean, whatever the change in time is. It's just me taking a break, going to take a piss and drinking water and trying to get my throat back to normal. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you. If I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas. I mean, like, I, I will do another show before Christmas, but if you don't hear from me by then, like if you don't listen to the next episode or whatever, I really I really appreciate listening to the show. I, I love doing it. I uh, It's my career. I take it very, very seriously. I watch a lot of football. I, uh, I go lots of hours not sleeping at night, working my butt off to try to make a good show and make one I'm proud of. And uh, I just appreciate you very, very much listening to the show and watching the show. And Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. I love you. Have a great day. Bam, we are done.